Welcome to Omega Mail. I'm your host, Daniel McKenzie, and the central thesis of this podcast is that new, healthier, more balanced, evolved, and energetically integrated notions of what it means to be a man are gradually emerging in contemporary culture. And so my intention is to support and help validate this cultural shift by sharing inspiring conversations that explore this new paradigm. I'll be talking to people from across the spectrums of sex, gender, age, race, culture, religion, and professional background in order to bring a variety of perspectives into play. As for the name, my decision to rebrand the underused and somewhat vague term Omega Male actually represents a rejection of the traditional hierarchical notion of alpha males, beta males, and so on. Since one definition of Omega is the last in a series, the final development, I think of Omega Male as literally meaning the ultimate evolution of man. If we have agency in our own evolution, which I believe we do, how do we collectively envision the ideal man of the future? And rather than trying to conjure a single type like the alpha male, this concept is more about exploring what general ways of being might benefit all types of men. And of course, the evolution of all humans is happening and equally important, but we men seem to be in a kind of extended crisis period at present, and so hence the focus on the male of the species. Episode 1, Steve Connell. Steve Connell! Yes, sir. I am so excited to feature you <laughs> as my first official guest on Omega Male because you are a walking, talking showboat, basically, <laughs> of what I consider to be... Of Omega Maleness? You are, of, yes, a truly evolved, modern-day Omega Male kind of guy. Um, it's not just the many honors and awards you've, you've won. You're a prominent speaker and cultural thought leader. You've performed for the Obamas at the White House. Take a moment to take that in. Uh, and for Oprah, I don't even have enough time to list your many accomplishments, but I will be sure to link to all of the uh, relevant uh, information on you and sites and whatnot later on. Um, but more than anything, um, I say that because I see your work as founded on a really powerful balance of energies, ranging from this kind of fire and brimstone style, charismatic hip hop <laughs> preaching, pretty much, to this very deft, intricate, poetic wordplay, to these, uh, what I've witnessed uh, in your performances, these very almost brittle moments of profound sensitivity and, and vulnerability. So there's this amazing uh, balance there. And since the focus of this particular podcast is the exploration of uh, more evolved and evolving notions of maleness and manhood, um, I want to focus on that specifically because there's a lot of that in your work. So first of all, here's a clip. I don't have a problem with pornography. I mean, I don't get upset when I see sexually exploitive commercials. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> those are usually my favorite ones. I mean, I don't know what her ass has to do with my hamburger, but I'm in the drive through the very next day. I have a problem with violent movies or images or the word bitch. Don't have a problem with jokes about women. In fact, I freely admit there are times where I sit back with my fellas and kick back, talk about some bitch and how I wish I could hit that, talk openly in public places. I'm concerned if your kids laugh. I mean, it's just words, just jokes, just dudes talking shit that you never expect's going to get back. However, I do have a problem with violence and cruelty, and rape and abuse and even if we know, it's just me. It's just you. It's just a few harmless chokes between me and my dudes. It still perpetuates a culture where it's easy to confuse the link between the jokes and the bruise. Between her getting choked and what's just jokes between dudes. And if there's a connection between the things I don't have a problem with and the things that I do, then perhaps I need to rethink my views on the way we view women and how many views sexually exploitive images get on YouTube. My best friends have beautiful children. And if what I have to do to keep their daughters from getting raped or harassed or abused is choose to accept domestic violence as a man's issue too, then I'll do that. And if their sons grow to be like the men that they see, so it's on me to live like the men I want them to be, then I will do that too. So that was from your 2018 video piece, We Are the Lions, which, yep. which garnered an amazing and continues to garner more than, I guess, 10 million hits or something like that. Yeah. Um, and you were subsequently invited to perform that live at the UN 
to kick off the international campaign to end violence against women. So I'd love to hear you talk about that as a way into this, um, your experience in creating the work, how it was received, your experience in, 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 in just being there at the UN and delivering that. But let's but walk me back to the beginning. So I gathered you created this piece with the YWCA. Did they approach you? Were you inspired by the Me Too movement? How did that come about? Uh, the, I mean, the specific piece, yes, uh, 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 YWCA uh, approached me and possibly through conversation with uh, the director of, of Lions and, and one of my great partners, uh, David Fischette. Uh, and so he had, a, he had a relationship with them based in Nashville. It was a Nashville chapter, and, and, and they knew of, of, of my work and, and our work together and, and started this conversation around uh, um, masculinity and, and I suppose more specifically, both masculinity, how it shows up in our culture, but more specifically the idea of uh, violence against women, domestic violence, sexual violence perpetrated largely against women, and the idea that so how to shift uh, and, and, and change the dialogue and involve men in it and, and basically engage men in a way that, that, that shifts the, 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 the mindset from these violence against women is a, is a, we think of it as a female issue because they're the ones getting beaten, they're the ones getting raped, they're the ones being hurt as opposed to either a male issue because we're the ones hurting uh, or a human issue, right? This is a problem that affects us all from one side or the other, and we need to figure out why it's happening because it's happening in such alarming rates. Um, and so that was the conversation to try and uh, work with me and David to create a piece that could that could bring about a, a new conversation. And it was it was specifically a, a campaign called Mend, and. The, uh, mend as in repairing and also men end. Uh, yeah. And so that was, that was the focus and, and to try and get, you know, just men to hear that piece and start to sort of look within themselves, their conversations, uh, how they were raised, how they raise others, how they influence and are influenced by the men around them and, and, and start to look at why it is that, that women are so unsafe or, or feel so unsafe uh, within, you know, pretty much the global culture. Um, so, you know, the idea in America that, that, that this is by the statistics, by, you know, that, that how, how unsafe women are in America, that that's such a prevalent issue for men is, is something we all should be alarmed with and, and are, and that's obviously why we're talking. Yeah, and, and so and the timing of that particular piece was right around the culmination of, of the Me Too movement. So there was a lot, there was a big spotlight on the issue and the issue obviously persists to this day so and i'm picturing this well sorry if you're right it's actually interesting because we are the lions came out i think in august and actually now it might, it might be 2016 dan because it was the it was just before the trump 2016 election ah, and, it, and it was wow. what was fascinating about it was because so it preceded me to uh and and even more it it it, it was it was before you know the grab by the pussy tape the extra came out and right. sort of so so it hadn't even shifted to that to that degree yet uh so you know where where Trump was so overt his his right. sexism and his so the fact that the piece did you know 8 million in a couple months and that was before the me too movement had started so all right, so that's a that's first of all a demerit for me for bad homework, but um, <laughs> but that's incredible, and 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 so it it shows it shows that um, there was an awareness rising around this, and there was something about uh, the Trump presidency and his gaining the presidency even after that whole controversy, which you know at the time it happened, uh, many of us thought, well, there's no way he's going to become president now, and talking right. about women this way, so you were. Um, you were a harbinger in a way of this work uh, because clearly this was already a problem and something about it magnified, um, I think, in the subsequent couple of years. Um, but well, I, well, and, 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 I think, and I think that the, the something is what you're talking about, that I think the idea that somebody who seemed to, to revel in creating culture that was so divisive and so violent and so mean-spirited against somebody anybody everybody and that it started i think what was fascinating to me 
Because I don't think Trump could have gotten elected, say, but for the fact that it was the first white man following our first black president and the double, the, the double, the two headed snake that was, and he was running against a woman. And I think that, that, that was significant, you know, wh- whether it was the Trump is a response to racist white supremacist America, the, the, that aspect that says now there's been a black president. If a baby was born the first day of Obama's presidency and if Hillary wins, that baby will be 12 or 16 before they've ever had a white male president. And I think Trump's ability to say not just white people were in danger of, of losing our, 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 our power, as he would put it, right, our rightful place to, to, to non-white people, to, to black people, but now men were in danger of losing our rightful place of power to women. And I think that that, to, that aspect of, and I think that's why it was so violent and why the, you know, the belief that we were about to have our first female president after the elation of having our first uh, uh, African-American president, the thought of having a woman president, like, just seemed impossible. And then to not only go from the literally, you know, believing we're about to have a, our first female president and what that would mean for our evolution, for our, for our, for our, for our children, for ourselves, then to not just lose it, but to lose it to somebody who was, who, who seemed to embody rape culture and violence against women who seemed to, 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 to believe that, that not only was Hillary not fit to be president, but, but more specifically her femaleness was part of what made her so unacceptable. And his maleness was what made him. Yeah. He certainly attacked her femaleness. And I I think that uh, you're speaking to something that, that isn't a coincidence because certainly we've seen historically, there's just, the tendency of the universe seems to be contraction and expansion and things toggle back and forth and the pendulum swings back and forth. So you're almost saying, you know, there's only so much liberal advance that can happen before uh, a conservative uh, counteraction happens just to sort of restore the balance of things. There's always a sort of Republican power and then a Democratic power. And so, um, but I think it's not a coincidence that um, not only was, you know, an adjacent or a, a following uh, liberal advance or progressive advance from going from a uh, a black president to a female president. Not only was that too much on one side of the scale, but it wasn't a a coincidence that the man, the the white guy who got the job, was the most retrogressive guy that you could that was on the on the slate there. I mean, he pretty much came in and bypassed all the actual Republican Party candidates. Something about him represented that force that felt so threatened in this country, whatever the the backwards culture that, you know, has now gone, you know, acquired a variety of different names. People talk about male privilege and toxic masculinity. And in these conversations, I've been trying to avoid that jargon as much as possible because it's, you know, for some people it just ends the conversation. And I, I'll right. say I'll say caveman behavior or backwards sure. behavior, et cetera. Um, but let's talk about I'm, I'm I'm picturing you at this at this UN event, which is very high profile, and you know, you're riding the tide of this incredibly successful piece, which clearly spoke to that moment, uh, even as you say, before the moment itself exploded in the Me Too movement. So these were things that were brewing socially. So, so what, was it, what was it like in terms of uh, not just the power of uh, having that platform, but the feedback that you got in response to it? Um, I think at some point you mentioned to me that the feedback you were getting from men was very different from the feedback you were getting from women. So how did that manifest? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, the simple f- act of, of, you know, being asked to, to, to perform at the UN, um, going to the UN, you know, just, just that energy um, was incredible. The thought that, you know, I'd created a piece uh, that had value, that had made such impact that my voice was, was seen as, as, significant in this moment to kick off the it was a 10-day campaign uh that the un does uh, i believe every year um uh and and so to be a part of that in and of itself was both humbling and overwhelming and 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 awesome right and as an artist you just hope i think as a person to be in a position to make the world 
better for as many people as you can. And certainly that's the, you know, when you put out a piece of work like this, the, the, the thought that it could go viral, the th- which was my first experience, you know, having it go from like 50,000 to 2 million in the course of, you know, a day or two is just overwhelming and amazing. Um, but uh, then, then to, because of the specific nature of the piece, the, 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 and the, and both the, the power, the energy, the, the, the vulgarity, the, the humor, the, the, the sorrow, all these, you know, different things that, that, that are alive within it, just like that are alive within us, um, was, was, you know, again, there, there's an understanding of what the piece is, but then once you release a piece and it starts to have, you know, in, in the chemical reaction to an audience, then it, it, it's revealed to, to me as much as it is to us all, right? It's no longer mine. And to right. hear how it, how it affects people, um, and specifically with, you know, the, the, I'm getting suddenly letters from, you know, women who have been uh, abused, you know, women who are writing to me and saying, this, this gives me hope. I, I, I've been unable to trust men since my attack. Uh, and this was the first time I felt like not only hearing the piece allowed me to believe that I, I could and even should trust men, maybe, maybe in a guarded way, but that there's a clarity now that, that there are men that won't hurt me that I am safe around. And, and, and then, you know, and, and, and stuff that went all the way to like women saying, you know, my, my father killed my mother when I was three and I witnessed it and, and I've been unable to move forward. And, and again, this gives me hope or I have two sons and I'm, I'm making them watch this and trying to get the school to, you know, to sort of understand again, or even begin to understand what I'm, what we sort of can't understand once that, once that starts to happen to your work. And then the, the, the contrast, which was not lost on me, which was that the, the overwhelming, uh, it, there wasn't a lot of negative feedback relative to the positive, but it was, my experience of it was exclusively male. Mm-hmm. You know, that it was women saying how powerful and how positive this was. And then men saying, you know, whether that's, you know, the equivalent of the, the liberal snowflake or this feminist cock or, or, or you know, that w- like whatever, whatever, whether it was political or just, you know, masculine in terms of this, this guy, this, you know, uh, uh, let's hear some know, examples. Like what, 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 was, what was some of the kind of stuff that, that guys well, would criticize? What was, about? what was interesting? Cause the, the piece takes, you know, the way the piece moves in is, is, is with this sort of comfortableness with you know with this crassness right yeah. with just this this is how guys talk this is how we are as as Trump a little bit of a bait said, and switch you know what i mean you right kinda, yeah. right which is also yeah. interesting because the first time uh, david likes to talk about the first time doing it in front of at the ywca and 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 you know a, a packed house of women and and the first line is i don't have a problem with pornography right i don't right. have a problem with jokes about women word bitch and and so it is this, wait a minute, what's happening here? And then, then the piece switches, right? The contrast right. being, but I do have a problem with rape and violence and abuse. And if there's a connection, and, and that was what, what seemed to upset men so much was there's lines in there that says sort of the, the, the looks at the casual slash causal relationship between jokes between homies, right? Jokes between dudes and the chokes and the bruise and and that idea that there's a there's a connection and I, I would I would imagine so what they reacted to a lot was, man, fuck this guy, man. Come on, man. You you know, you 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 know, whatever the trying to think of what what negative things I can that are that they all said, but right. what I should say out loud. But the but the gist of it was he's gay, he's 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 you wow. know, feminine, he's et cetera. And and it, and and again the jokes was this thing which 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 is what we do and what we have to move past, which is the, the, the find something on the surface to be upset about rather than the truth, which is, yo, however you want to come to it, women are being raped and abused and, and violence is being perpetrated against predominantly women, but not exclusively in such overwhelming numbers. Let's deal with that. And to, and to miss that point because you disagree with the idea that your jokes could have a relationship, right? right. And, and, that, and, that, and ultimately that the willingness to see what is ultimately someone's safety, someone's uh, 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 liberties, someone's human rights to be so comfortable in a, in a relationship. And I have, uh, uh, many women I've been with have, have been survivors, have experienced it. And, and to hear them talk about the ease with which at certain parties, men will make jokes about 
you know, about rape or about sex, sexism and da da da, and not and they don't mean anything by it, but they they forget the fact that there are women at this party who have maybe been raped or abused, and there are men at this party. Oh yeah, that have maybe participated directly or indirectly in that violence, and that part of that is we 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 message each other, right? We model for each other. For our children, for ourselves, we look to the the people in our group, whether it's the alphas, the omegas, to 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 learn from, to understand what's cool, what's not, what's acceptable, what's not. And I think that's that's the thing that again, the men, so much of it was like, so now I can't make jokes. Yeah, so that's what we're saying now. We can't even we can't even. And of course, that's not what we're saying. But right. what we're saying is, let's figure out if the goal is to make this you know society safe for our our sisters, our mothers, our wives, our girlfriends, our daughters. Uh, 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 LGBTQ, transgender, anybody that feels, if the goal is for, for nobody to feel unsafe at, to whatever degree we can control that, that right. that's what we should be trying to do. Right. And who's, and it, how, is that really skin off anyone's back to make people feel safe? It's interesting to me uh, that, like, for guys like that, the, the biggest insult they think that they can lay on you is that you're either gay or you're a sissy. You know what I mean? Like that to them. And if right. you really unpack that, it's a little bit, it's like, oh, uh, you, because uh, 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 a real man wouldn't actually understand compassion for women. Like my idea of a man is like you must be gay or a right. sissy or kind of a woman if you actually are you care what happens to women. It's such a weird back backwards right. which, indicator. Which is, yeah, also, which is I think such a big part of I know where 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 you come to Omega Male in the podcast with, and, and you know as in terms of that. The, the idea that we has been modeled for, for and reinforced for so many men is that having emotions, expressing emotion, vulnerability, sensitivity, those are feminine traits. And masculinity is to always be fine, is to always have it together. It would be never, hard, you know, you're like a hard shell. My whole point is um, that we're, you know, there's a lot of, even in the men's movement that began in the 90s, there's always been, just like in everything, there's two factions, kind of the conservative, the liberal. And um, and it's interesting, the sort of, what I would call the sort of conservative uh, faction of the men's movement is the sort of Robert Bly, you know, we need to get back into the jungle and beat the drums and have male initiating. And there's some there's some beautiful stuff in there. Stuff in there. But yeah, taking my dad's the, my dad, that's a big part of like I learned about Robert Bly from through my dad's excitement and the men's group. Um, and so it's funny to have you refer to that as conservative because I wouldn't think that to him. But within his group, I'm sure maybe the men who who maybe shared it with him and his yeah, connection yeah. to it. Is, well, I don't I don't you know, I don't want to draw a direct like political connection, but what I've observed, I was reading an article actually written in the 90s about the men's movement and how there was sort of this one side that was more feminist driven and the gist of it was men are so screwed up, we need to start listening to women and understanding more about how we should be. And then there was a sort of the men the the what I, and that's generally the liberal side of it because moving towards feminism, progressive, you know. So, um, and that today has manifested itself more in the sort of like the yoga guy, you know, spiritual hippie culture. And, uh, and then this sort of what I'm calling the conservative side with the full understanding that there are many people that would consider themselves like liberals or progressives that love the Robert Bly work and, you know, the going into the woods with men and banging on drums and having male rituals and looking to um, archetypes and sort of ancient myths to dis rediscover what masculinity is. I think there's a lot of value in there. I'm not sort of pitting one against the other. Sure. But what sure. I've noticed is <clears throat> that men, uh, the men uh, on the sort of ex alt-right extreme side of the spectrum tend to refer to that kind of notion of masculinity and something that does come about in that in that book, Iron John, um, that famous uh, seminal book for that side of the the mythopoetic men's movement, is this very clearly expressed notion that men are being feminized and that there's something bad about the so-called New Age movement. That's the part that kind of made me a little wary. You know, in every every work, there can be good things and maybe not so great impulses. And um, and so what I'm noticing is that. Uh, what we're grappling with now is that that the what you referred to before as uh, traits or aspects of human being that were previously considered feminine maybe don't uh, need to be looked at in that way, and that's part of the problem. Part of this fear of feminizing men. I don't look at um, men 
getting comfortable with these previously considered feminine traits like vulnerability, sensitivity, um, intuition, supportiveness, cooperation, these things um, that I'm trying to instill in my son as a father and that I'm trying to like promote among men, um, I don't look at it as as men, like men are, uh, you know, on that side seem to look at like men as their footballs, right? We're footballs and these, <laughs> and these feminist guys like Steve who don't want to let us joke, they're trying to turn us into like, uh, what's the thing in badminton? The birdie, right? You just want to turn uh, into a little birdie that gets batted around, you know, I'm a football. Right, right. And I think it's more like, no, we're actually just trying to turn men into nerf footballs maybe you know right. give it like give it it's yeah. still a football but it like it's pliable and soft and it's you can still play that game but but it's a friendly game and it's not about beating each other and it's not about hard all the time you know and so there's I, something so in your in your work that that rather than just saying that or declaring it you kind of show it you show it because you you have this um versatility that does go from this very kind of booming um, heavy hitting, arguably masculine quality. Please don't let me wake up on these motherfucking streets. And in the morning when I wake up, the voice says, Look here, you were born to persevere and not give in to your fear. You were born to be punished, but not succumb. Born to run farther than the rest could run. To these really, um, this kind of tenderness. So I try to imagine the view from the outermost regions of space, and I wish I was sitting here with my dad. He would tell me. At the edge of the universe runs a single horse devouring suns like apples trying to find one just sweet enough to slow him down, I'd say. The universe, that's a little boy infinitely expanding in search of a hand to hold, a moment of peace, a place to settle down and watch a dozen suns hover, flare up, go out on the horizon. So talk about that a, a little bit. And, and I want to say this in the context of your, your work was not only two years ahead of the time with the Me Too movement. Um, you know, I, I discovered this other piece of yours, Angel Rising, that dates back to 2011. So you're not exactly a Johnny come lately here to advocating for women in your work. Um, so maybe in the context of working on that piece, how did this um, sensitivity and vulnerability in your in your own work emerge that early in the game um, so that, again, you weren't just kind of philosophically aware of the need for balance, but actually kind of demonstrating it in your work. To me, at the end of the day, there isn't, there is an undeniable awareness of, of a, of an energy, you know, that is masculine, an energy that is feminine, alive within the universe. And it takes shape and blends and merges. And so I think th that is undeniable. But the idea to me that traits or qualities like vulnerability could be feminine or masculine uh, or, or binary is is where I think we're getting some people get get hung up and to me it's the equivalent of you know if the idea that there would be masculine foods and feminine foods like I, I I eat everything right the only things I don't eat are the things that make me feel bad or the things that don't taste good right and so but the idea that I would say these are feminine foods and these are masculine foods, um, even though you can you can you can then start to within the realm of what what it, what is feminine energy, what is masculine energy, and, and w whether it's hard and soft and sharp and and whatever those kind of concepts are uh, in terms of flavors, sweetness, you you can play with that all you want. But but the idea that anyone would be specifically masculine or feminine is as crazy to me as the idea that there are emotions expressions, uh, 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 ways of embracing that could be more or less appropriate or inappropriate from a feminine, masculine, uh, 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 male, female standpoint. And, yeah. and I think That's as an it. artist and as a human, I think part of my, my work is to, is to bring people back to their full self and, 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 and to, to, to help open up passageways within our brains, within our relationships, within our, our own systems or, or point out within our, our larger systems when we've gotten uh, uh, lost or stuck or confused or, 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 or blocked or damaged somewhere along the way and, and to figure out how to free that. So, so I've never believed in, in this idea that there were things that were off limits to me 
or inappropriate as a feeling because I'm a man and not a woman, uh, right? You, you know, and I think that that's a that that in and of itself is is sort of the liberation, and it isn't then. It, it maybe is very political, but it's not political in the sense of government and democracy and 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 progressive and liberal. It's 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 as a as a consciousness. Yeah, exactly. When I speak about conservative versus progressive, I'm speaking less politically and more literally in the perhaps oversimplified sense that the conservative disposition essentially values what is already established and functioning and wants to keep things the way they are. And the progressive position is we can do better, so let's change and evolve. Obviously, that's very boiled down. But but what you just touched upon is one of the central questions for me in this work, namely, would it serve us better to stop using the terms masculine and feminine to distinguish certain things and traits from one another in a very binary way? Or on the other hand, do we continue to use those terms but change the way we define and relate to them? Here's how I see this relating specifically to the evolution of men. Either we stop referring to things like sensitivity, vulnerability, tenderness, supportiveness, intuition, and so on as feminine, and things like strength, decisiveness, leadership, toughness, endurance, etc., as masculine, because we realize that all of these traits are actually useful and can be embodied by both men and women, people of any any gender or, or sex, really. Or we embrace a new understanding that distinguishes male from masculine and female from feminine. Because I think the problematic notion that we've inherited is that men are or should be 100% masculine and women are or should be feminine. So right, if we get comfortable with the idea that it's actually healthy, normal, and useful for all human beings to express both the so-called masculine and feminine traits and capacities then men in particular won't be so hung up about being vulnerable or sensitive or emotionally self-expressed. So I don't know what the, if the solution is one or the other or both, so I've been kind of holding that question and coming at it from both angles. Well, and that's the thing. On some level, I would say, you know, we, don't, we certainly don't have to throw it out it's because I, th- I think it's tr- there's, there's truth in it. Uh, right. I, I think we have to understand it. And I think to some extent, like, that's... You know the, the 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 ability to have the time to truly sort of again make sense of the you know because there's two there's two aspects of life staying alive for as long as you can and while you're alive doing as much as you can to understand why to create purpose to create meaning to 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 experience the fullest life so if those are the two things then everybody's in a different position in terms of how much free time they have to figure out why they're on this earth uh, uh, in, you know, against how much time is spent staying alive on this earth, you know? And so even that in and of itself is that type of, of, of different types of privilege, different types of, you know, and I think when you talk about, cause I think you're right. Um, uh, to me that the, like feminine and, and masculine energy is alive within all of us. Right. So there is that, that, that to me, is makes sense and 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 is 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 clear undeniable um and then but like what but the idea that masculine energy makes us male feminine energy makes us female rather than there are just um aspects yeah energetic aspects of how we move throughout throughout the earth and i think those are the things that 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 we're 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 grappling with which again is then i think where we get confused in between the distinction between what it means biologically to be male or female versus what are these energies that are alive within people that that are are necessary and vital towards moving us forward? Um, that's it, though. That's it too. Moving forward, that kind of implies something that is a, a core belief for me, namely that there isn't some kind of eternal, you know, written in stone thing called human nature and called what a man is and called what a woman is. We're clearly evolving, not just in the Darwinian sense, but we actually have, uh, and I think this is what distinguishes us from regular old animals, is we have agency in how we're evolving. So these conversations we're having, this kind of philosophy around stuff, it, it kind of reveals that we don't, we're not, we're not destined to be any particular way. We have 
agency in this. And I think if you go back in time to earlier, you know, incarnations of human beings, it may be so that when we were cavemen and women, that there was something uh, more valuable about men, you know, who were out there killing animals and warring with each other, having to be in this particular way. And women who were like left in the cave to care for the children, like, I think maybe as we were more nature-connected and dependent beings, that's where these sort of old notions of, of maleness and femaleness arose. And it's like t tens of thousands of years to kind of undo the programming where we now realize men and women are still biologically different and we have different dispositions and some of that is biologically dictated. But so much of us uh, has evolved socially to the point that we don't need to. Uh, it's actually a, a possible, you know, improvement to our being to have these expansions where these things that were used to be gender divided are now much more incorporated. And so, um, well, you know, they're... And, and I think, sorry, to, to, mm -hmm. but then, then the idea of moving from, again, these broad generalizations that this is what is, is true of men and true of female, because I think there is a part you're talking about that is biological, uh, that is rooted uh, in, in sort of a, at least a general sense of what, what, what goes into a man what goes into a woman, you know, how, how, how we're set to process, to move, why, you know, uh, muscle fat, like all just on a biological, right. anatomical biological. human level. Yeah. But then the idea that then there's also the difference between Dan and Steve and Chisa and Sekou and my mom and, you know, my dad and your dad yeah. in terms of what shaped us, right? What, like in terms of this specific genetic lottery that each of us, you know, uh, win and lose. And then, the, you know, then the programming that has nothing to do or is in no way exclusively because you're male and she's female, but then is the diff, all the different things that, that, that you were born with that other men and other women weren't. And then, and then the way you were raised, the, 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 your access to education, your access to, to, to doctors, your access to, to, uh, uh, good people, bad yeah. people, clean your traumatic water, experiences as a child, your friendships, the schools you went to. It's almost like astrology. Like someone says, like, "Oh, you're a Leo. You're like this." But then it's like, no. The nuances are your your moon is in. I don't know that much about astrology, but your moon is in this, and your Venus is in this. And it's like the the picture that emerges is as we evolve uh, culturally and socially as human beings. It seems undeniable that if anything, if nothing else, we're becoming more individualized, right? We're such a mix of these nuanced, and, and the world has gotten bigger. And so a person can be born in one place and then grow up in another country for three years. It, the world didn't used to be like that. You were born in Germany. You died in Germany. You spoke German and like you were in your tribe. And now we are so, uh, and, and it's manifest itself obviously in the sort of incredibly broad menu of people's sexual preferences and gender identities and religious beliefs. You're not just Jewish or Christian. You could be spiritual in this way. You could be a little bit Buddhist. Like we're totally individuated. And so any kind of uh, construct that wants to put people into these very discrete this or that polarized boxes is going to be antiquated and increasingly so. The world is only getting more specific. And so we have to develop notions that are much more nuanced and maybe it's uh it's more about understanding an individual and approaching a person as a human being in their beautiful individuated unique way as opposed to you're this race you're this uh you know gender you're this sexual preference you're this religion etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah i mean because i think it is about thinking about what are the things that hold us down and what are the things that that set us free what are the qualities and conditions and i think if you look at covid and the pandemic as an opportunity essentially for our entire notion of what is possible to, to, to be challenged. And in challenging that, right, that we, you could never have a global pandemic just wouldn't happen. It's been challenged. Uh, you could, and if you did, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stop the world because the world's too big. It's been challenged. It stopped it. Right. And so then all the argument around, Everything, you know, the horse is out of the barn, things are set in motion, there's nothing we can do but sort of ride it out has been challenged. And now we've been given this opportunity, like, like a near-death experience that you survived, to ask the question, do we stay the course or do we change course? Do we, do, is what got us here what will get us there or is what got us here 
destroying us, right? Is right. here proof that it's not working. And if that's the case, then we're being invited to say, what are the things, the systems, the beliefs, the ideas, the stories that are, uh, that have that have made us willfully choose our own destruction, right? Uh, just valuing uh, 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 a private plane and 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 billion and wealth uh, over an ocean and clean air, right? And so right. that idea of what what are the things we value, and then it goes to, to back to what you're saying. Then then we could say, hey, is re- religion? How is that working out for us as a general construct? Uh, well, I, I don't know if it's good, but parts of it have been really good. Or these these people have there's there's things you can learn from this culture this society and as we start to get again global right we 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 realize it's almost anything other than earthling is a disservice to us at this point of of sort of opportunity and peril merging together because uh, those are things that 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 separate us and so even male and female if the point is to understand ourselves better. Then those are valuable. I would offer that those are valuable terms, valuable concepts. If the point is to pause us in an infancy of understanding, so that we never truly evolve to understand what is real and what is something we made up long ago and just pass forward, you know. And when you talk about conservative, because I think you're exactly right from a political standpoint, conservative is the is the a, a, a deep belief system that says what we are is working. It's not that I'm saying don't change, but let's change very slowly to and make sure we change yeah. safely. And then progressive saying, yo, we don't have like 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 Martin Luther King said, you know, famously to the white pastors, why we can't wait. It's easy for you to say wait, just like it's easy for you know, any conservative, if you're saying it's good how it is, what you're ultimately saying is it's good for me how it is. Right? And that's and that ability to and that's ultimately then I think the distinction is the true distinction in a belief system is how much do we as, as, as humans, as, and even and you know, now as we think about the environment, as living species on this earth, how much are we charged? Do we accept the charge to do, to do better, to make the world better for more, as opposed to make the world better for me? How much of our, our quote-unquote responsibility do we accept to to make the world a better place versus yo? I got as mu- as much time as I have. I'm gonna take care of me first, my family second, and if anybody and everybody else after that, I don't care about. And and that I think is and and you could argue back to your you know. There's a mindset that says yeah, that's of course right. That's what that's caveman. That's what you should do. Protect your people. Protect your well being. Protect your uh, uh, best life. And if it comes at the expense of everybody else, that's welcome to welcome. You know, pull, that's that's being that's being a man. That's being adult. That's being responsible. Versus, nah, fuck that. We we are destroying ourselves, and we have to to understand that and then change that. And I think those are the two things that are then at, at the core. And 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 then because then every going back to like this notion of men being upset, disagree with my. Maybe I'm wrong. You don't have maybe the jokes aren't related. I'm trying to get at something is related, right? Something is happening. Something clearly is wrong with money at all costs because we're destroying the planet, right? Something is clearly wrong with how we are raising and maintaining our manhood because something about the process of raising and maintaining this current uh, concept of manhood is coming at the expense of women, you know, is 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 causing great harm and peril to to non-whites, to to non-binary, to to non-male, uh, to non-human, to not you know, and and thus to non-American, and also to other and to other men. I, and I, I don't want you. You've just said a mouthful, so I don't, I'm I'm reluctant to interrupt your your flow, but I also don't want to let a lot of it <laughs> please, go, please. so it's unaddressed. Um, and to other men, because the 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 antiquated notion is hierarchical, right? The alpha male. In the alpha male system, there's only one alpha male in any group. It's like who's at the top. And so if your notions of maleness are somehow rooted in this tribal dominance hierarchy, you know, you're concerned with survival, as you said earlier, but you're concerned with where you are in the hierarchy. And so it's a very it's an innate self-interest. And I have to take care of my family, etc. And and 
to me, the sort of omega notion is the recognition that everyone matters. And so if there's a system, like you said, that favors men over women, if there's a hierarchical system, there's always going to be a system of dominance and where somebody's suffering. And there's something fundamentally compassionate about recognizing we're actually, we all matter, we can all be happy, we can all be taken care of. There's something... I think, intrinsically evolved about that. It's like coming from love and respect and recognition of oneself in the other versus competition over what I got to get for me first. But to bring this into um, how do we not just societally but individually kind of deprogram that. And so part of that is this notion that we've talked about before that I want to come back to, which is our cultural diet. I have had this theory that so much of what informs our own output and how we look and think and feel about the world has to do with what we're taking in, right? So if you're some guy who only listens to male-centric music, only watches male-centric movies and TV, only has male-centric conversations with other only exclusively male close friends, right, is a, is bound to have a kind of, this is just stating the, the extreme, a very male-centric uh, outlook and even, you know, production of their own thoughts. Uh, given your work, obviously you're not that guy, right? Um, and so uh, I'm curious in terms of your own continuing to form your own beliefs and how you've become the guy that you are that is uh, much more balanced in this way. Um, I'm curious for you to talk about the kind of women that have had significant impact on you and your personal development and your work, uh, whether these are you know, personal relationships, women in your, in your life, or even female creators and, and leaders who have inspired you. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, the, the one thing, as you asked that, the, I, felt, I felt compelled to say, because I think you're, 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 you're onto something there with this idea of, of diet. Um, and, and at the same time, we're also learning, like, it isn't just a presence of masculine only, but the question is how much within that diet of, of, mas- of, of essentially what you're saying is either masculine thought or, or male, male voices is anti-female right. versus pro-female, right? So that, that it could be very, uh, and then the notion of even if it was all pro-female writings, then there's still this sense of, well, how many women are you actually speaking to, right? How many people of color are you actually speaking to in terms of as you let your ideas be formed and shaped? Uh, so I think that's I think that's really interesting, and because then there is this sense that is ultimately to say there is an experience that is uniquely other, which is to say not mine, and sometimes then that is uniquely female or uniquely Asian or uniquely Dan, right? In in all of its Danness. Um, so for me, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the biggest thing, uh, uh, probably one of the single greatest influence uh, uh, in, in, in a large sense is the, the women in my family are brilliant and, and badass and, and, and uh, loving and, you know, and leaders, you know. And, and so I've always taken great both comfort and pride in that and, and, and have always understood that I was um blessed to 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 come up in, in in that environment where both the women and men were strong and part of the the strength that was then ex- that was then modeled for me in the in the in the men in my family was the love and reverence and respect for the women in my family and so then there was nothing there was never a time where i had to be sort of the one boy with with the women while because I didn't fit in with the men there was just this general sense of family and love and community in all its forms however that shows up and so so growing up you know my mom and and specifically my mom who who uh you know when I was a a, a little boy like you know had to reach up to hold her hand we were going to the the ERA uh, equal rights amendments marches she was the the president of the Ventura County chapter for the National Organization for Women she ran for a state assembly seat um, she she a former nun Catholic Church uh, in, in in Brooklyn and you know one of the stories I remember her telling me and I don't know if I but it just as soon as I said that it, it excited me this memory flooded in of, of like this notion which again goes into us how we're taught how we're codified how how we're put it into categories, either these are the people you're for, these are the people you're against, if they do that, you know. And uh, uh, she, she was on a, on a, a march, a, a protest march, 
it's probably right around uh, what was ML Kennedy was sixty three. Martin Luther King was was sixty five when he was assassinated, and Malcolm X sixty eight. I think that's right. So it's somewhere right around there, and she's marching in in New York uh, out out of Bed Stuy, and uh, uh, and there were you know Irish, good Irish, white Irish cops, uh, Catholic boys on 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 horseback, and she was marching in her in her you know her habit, her Catholic regalia, uh, her nun her nun suit, uh, arm in arm and, and shoulder to shoulder with. All women, you know, everybody that was marching, men and women of all color, but specifically in this story, she was with women um, of, of, you know, without any distinction of these are my people. I'm here. If y'all, if, if y'all are against injustice, you know, I fucks with you. Y'all are with, I'm with you. Y'all with me. And the cops were very clearly like, yo, we need to, we need to lay hands on these other women. We need to arrest them. We need to manhandle them. We need to push them. So we need you to get out of the way. So that we can feel good about that, right? And this right. idea that we would never lay hands on a nun, or we would never lay hands on a white woman uh, who's who's doing the exact same thing. And she pulled off her her you know pulled off her habit and said, "I'm a woman. If you can't do it to me, you can't do it to them. If you if if you're going to do it to them, you must do it to me. And that is is the distinction." Whatever is wrestling with you and says it's wrong in this instance, it's wrong in every instance. And so. That that story was was told to me somewhere, you know, probably before I was old enough to understand it on anything but a cellular level and then growing up. And so she's always raised me, uh, her and my father have always raised me uh, uh, to 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 see uh, to see injustice and to fight against it and to believe in the power of voice uh, and to celebrate to, to understand that if I'm if I'm valuable, if I'm special, then I'm valuable and special in the same way everyone is. And so she raised me up with that understanding. Um, and then, you know, and like I said, and then, the, and, then it, and then it goes out. And the other women in my family have, have been incredible. And then artistically, you know, obviously uh, uh, the, the love of my life is, is, an, is an incredible dancer. And now a director, we're actually uh, uh, creating a, co-creating a piece that's uh, uh, going to perform at, at the Lincoln Center in September. Um, and she and I met. Uh, she was a, a, a phenomenal dancer for ten years, and and uh, with Diablo, an incredible Diablo dance company based in L.A. And I, I wrote the libretto for a specific piece, and just you know, and and so she was a dancer, and I was a writer, and and I was just uh, uh, transfixed by her, and 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 we fell in love, and have been creating since. And so her her work, her experience has been a massive influence on me. Um, the incredible Toni Morrison um, is one of the, the first black female writers that like changed my whole shit up. Maya Angelou, of course, uh, Sandra Cisneros, um, Mary Oliver, you know, and of course, like Ani DeFranco in terms of artists, like Ani was, was certainly one of the big ones in terms of just both her power, her, her bravery, her no bullshit principles, her, in, you know, as an independent artist. And she was one of the first, you know, artists that I knew who who was beloved as a as a musician who also started to to, to fuck with poetry and spoken word and so the, that that always sort of early on like she was one of the the heroes of of both you know poets and yeah and songwriters right if I can just pipe in there to say the obvious as a songwriter Ani DeFranco just completely upended my entire relationship to being an artist when I first came across her work I mean it was just staggering to me that somebody could so powerfully and eloquently give voice not only to her own deeply personal experience and including the darkest you know ugliest stuff along with the transcendently beautiful but also to her fiercely held socio-political convictions uh, incidentally I, I highly recommend her recent biography uh, no walls and the recurring dream it's not only a, a really compelling and entertaining account of her kind of earlier years, but it, it also includes this very poetic and nuanced description of how she understands and views feminism. So it's it's a great read. Um, and I feel like we could just go on for hours here, but I, I want to sort of land the plane uh, by coming back to how cool it is to hear about your upbringing among um, both women who were empowered and powerful 
and men who supported and revered those women as equal counterparts and collaborators. And I think it's fair to say that there's got to be some direct causal relationship between growing up in an environment like that and becoming the kind of badass, kind, powerful, sensitive, sort of full-spectrum, creative, balanced man that you are, Steve Connell. So, so thank you for basically illustrating the philosophical thrust of this entire podcast just by being yourself. <laughs> it's always a thrill when, when, when you call and, and when you told me what you were doing here with Omega Mail, I just, uh, I was honored to be a part of it. And again, there's an awareness that as we, as we move about this space, we recognize when, when there are people trying to make the world better and safer and, and we identify them and, and move towards them and say, how can there be, how can we do more? Um, and I think that's what's been great about being on this podcast with you is to recognize the opportunity that you're offering us to have these conversations towards moving forward. So I thank you. I thank you, uh, friend, for that ringing endorsement and also uh, just for being a truly inspiring and inspired person. Uh, I certainly would like to try to keep moving forward one way or another, and I really believe that the work you're doing is propelling humanity in that direction. You're an incredible collaborator. You're um, an amazing creative force, and I want to get people to check out more of your stuff. Please check out his website, steveconnellcreates.com. You can also check out his hip-hop slash spoken word slash band project, Kill the Poets, at soundcloud.com slash killthepoets. It was great, as usual, talking to you, Steve, and I'm going to leave our listeners with a little taste of Kill the Poets as we sign off. Thank you all so much for listening to Omega Mail. Please recommend us to others and check out future episodes. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to omegamailsays, S-A-Y-S, at gmail.com. That's the end of the show, but for those of you who can't get enough of Steve Connell, please enjoy this taste of his band, Kill the Poets, live at Hotel Cafe. This for the spoken word heads in the house. If I could never say I am Pac, J, Doc, Dre, Kanye, or M, I'm not them. I never claim I am. Dream is to be in the same game that I place them in, but if I'm playing, that means I'm playing to win, play to see if I'm as good as I'm praying I am. I pray that I can do like them legends do, change the game to end. And if I can and get ready to game, go change again. I hear y'all motherfuckers. Yeah, I hear y'all that be saying I can't. I say that I can. I love it when you say it though, so say it, say it, say it. Say it again. That I'm not hot like them. Oh, let me reiterate it again. I'm not them. Never claim I am. I'm hot like me, not try to be the same like them. I don't spit money out my mouth like it's an ATM. Okay. okay. But I can spit, shine a mic, make it rainy, yeah, spit flames upon the mic, don't make them blazing then. There he goes, y'all. Spit to get the crowd loud. Spit to get this crowd loud till they lungs cave in. If words can save men, I spit to save myself first. Then to save them, I pray when my CD is played. Then my lyrics play like prayers for players and end like amen. Since the day when I wrote my first rhyme, trying to make my best, I be my worst line. Prove it every verse I'm. No recycle MC, I just be the first time and I spit to get the pants. Hold up. Spit to get the pants, wait, wait. Spit to get the pants, oh no. Spit to get the pants on Twitter and Snapchat. Spit to get the pants, talking about who that? Flip smoking word like it's the new rap. Bring passion and truth back to the art form. Can you get some raps to do that? The fact, since the day when I started to write, women and men up on this mic. Voice in the pen, they changed my whole life and I worked my whole life. The chance to ignite the very same mic of the words that I write. Recite what I write, right, right from the mic check. I apologize, they got carried away. I mean, they're so incredibly funky <laughs> that I'm afraid y'all can't hear how dope I am. 
from a label yet, I'm broke, can't pay shit, so I pay respect, first block, face death, and I'm thought when Jay left, it's too few grace left, and I break a neck, when I genuflect, whenever they wreck, whatever they wreck, I'm hard to take that, wreck the CD on cassette, say I ain't big, I say I ain't big yet, and no, I'll never be big, and no, I'll never be big, And no, I'll never be big. <laughs> and no, I'll never be big. Papa, Jay, and Paca, yay. Not Dr. Dre, more like Frank Sinatra. All day, do it my way. Take the road, let's travel while y'all travel in the highway. I say what I feel, so y'all feel what I say. What I say goes, I goes the way of the great. Can't be fucking with mortality. I'm slow dancing with fate. Y'all keep talking, saying I'm hot like them. Ain't all I'm saying that my hip don't pop like them. When my shit drops in the club, chicks won't walk right in. Critics will love my CD, folks will not buy them. I get silent. Mm, a little bit. I get silent. Sigh then. Reply then. We'll buy then. I'll try again when the folks wise up. Rename my CD Phoenix, watch the sales rise up. Eyes up to the skies, you looking for me? Cause that's where the fuck I'm born to be. Love it, I hate it, whichever is fine. Continue to debate it, I continue to shine. Call me crazy, I just believe. Ain't no way to Jay-Z don't ounce these teeth. Love it, I hate it, whichever is fine. Continue to debate it, I continue to shine. Call me crazy, just believe. No way Jay-Z outs these teeth. Can't hold low, can't outshine the sun. Seven million miracles walking and I'm out. Seven million miracles walking and I'm out. Can't hold low, can't outshine the sun. Seven billion miracles walking and I'm running. 